But tonight, as we dig into Hebrews 11 again, we're hopefully going to conclude Hebrews 11, and, and we're going to look at more than just a couple of verses. And you might think, well, Mark, you've been going slowly, and now you're just going to take a big, broad uh, a big broad stroke and, and cover several. But the reason I'm going to do that is because that's what the author does. The author doesn't go into Je uh, Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and all of that. He just, you know, he just has a, a broad stroke of a brush to conclude Hebrews 11. But if you remember, what we've done during this study is that we have looked at how the just live by faith. And again, Hebrews 10, 38, where it says how the just live by faith. And I think it's Hebrews 10, 38. Uh, but anyway, then we've been given examples of this is how the just live by faith. And, and the author of Hebrews has gone back to the Hebrew forefathers and he's, and he's given us an example of how those forefathers live by faith. And we want to remember the reason why he is writing about the Jewish forefathers. It's because these who are receiving this letter are Hebrew Christians or those who are going to a Hebrew Christian church and they're trying to make a decision. Well, do I follow Judaism or do I follow Christianity? And he's writing this letter to help them understand how things in Christ are better. And so he's trying to encourage them to follow the ways of Christ and for some of them not to revert back to the ways of Judaism. So again, the author of Hebrews has given them an example of their forefathers and how their forefathers walked by faith believing in the promise which is to come. And that's the, the same thing he's going to try to include uh, to encourage these uh, recipients of this letter to do is to walk by faith, believing in the promise of that which is to come. Hebrews eleven thirty two, And what shall I say more? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Mabarak and Samson, of Jephthah and David, also in Samuel and of the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, wrought righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, waxed valiant in fight, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead raised to life again, and others were tortured, not accepting deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. And others had trial of cruel mockings and scourgings, yea, moreover, of bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn asunder, were tempted, were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and in mountains and in dens and caves of the earth. All, and all these, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. God having provided some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. So the, the message tonight is um, a better resurrection. So we, we think about all of these and we begin by just looking at all of these in the beginning and thinking about, well, how did they walk by faith? And it's, it's interesting for us men because in our men's Sunday school class right now, we're going through um, the book of Judges and we're looking at Gideon and Barak and Samson. And what we know is, as we've studied them, <sighs> That they didn't always walk by faith. And if you go on down and look at David, you'll recognize that David didn't always walk by faith. And so you wonder, okay, 
These guys weren't perfect. They made some mistakes. They, they sinned. And so how did they walk by faith? This, this, this gives us some encouragement to recognize that venturing into sin once does not mean that you are forsaken by God. You might face the chastening hand of God, but God's not going to forsake his own. And so that gives us, this gives us a little bit of encouragement that, you know, Samson, the one whose heart was full of lust, was considered to be a just one who lived by faith. So we think about Gideon and we think about Gideon's faith. And if you remember, Gideon had to put out a faith, uh, put out a fleece. Instead of believing God's promise that God said he's going to deliver by the hand of Gideon. And Gideon's like, well, yeah, God, I know. But just to be sure, let me put out a fleece. Yet he fought a battle against great odds. And in that he was faithful. Barak, he was a chicken too. And, and uh, he had to depend on Deborah. Like, Deborah, I'll not go into battle unless you go with me. So, so he was another one that was not so excited to go into battle, yet again he fought in a battle against great odds and he's considered one to be faithful. As I've already mentioned, Samson's heart was full of lust and we know him, right? Full of pride and arrogance and lust for the opposite sex. But his greatest act of faith might have been his last. He called upon the name of the Lord in his death and slew more in his death than he did in his life. Jephthah made a rash vow. Whatever comes out of the door of my, of my tent, I'll offer it unto the Lord. It was a foolish vow. Yet he ascribed all the glory of what he accomplished in the battle to the Lord. And he was faithful. And what we learn about these, these, these judges is we think about what was going on in, in Israel at the time. What was going on in Israel at the time is that every man was doing what was right in his own eyes. Everyone's heart was turned away from God. Israel as a nation was going astray from God. But these men chose to be faithful to God. They were faithful to follow the Lord even though the world was going away from him. And God considered him to be faithful. Listen, it's an encouragement to us, right? You look at the world, it's going away from God. But if you choose to follow him, even though the world is choosing to go against him, the Lord will consider you to be faithful. Even though you're not always perfect in your decisions. God still will consider you to be faithful. David, a man after God's own heart. That's how he was known to walk by faith. Samuel was faithful when the sons of the prophet, I believe it was Eli, when they were not faithful, Samuel was faithful. And the other prophets it mentions here, they had the responsibility to speak the word of God and and. You think about, you know, Jeremiah and he is supposed, he, they've got to come and say, listen, God's going to destroy this city. That couldn't have been an easy thing. Think about the prophet that was required to go and lay naked in the, in the center of the street, right? I mean, that, that, that wouldn't be an easy thing to do, but that's what God called them to do. But they were faithful to do what God called them to do. 
And the other prophets would be would include Elijah and Elisha and Daniel and John the Baptist. All of those, they think of the difficult things that they had to face and the difficult things they were called upon to do. And they were willing to do that. They were willing to follow the Lord maybe when no one else would, when no one would listen, when no one would hear. They were willing to follow the Lord. That's how they walk by faith. Those who are receiving this letter would know the history of all of these people. That's why the author of Hebrews didn't go into them uh, any deeper. Did you notice he says in verse 32, And what shall I say more? For time would fail me. In other words, I wish I had time to dig in deeper into Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and the prophets and all of that. But, I, but, I, but just for the sake of time, I'm just going to kind of tell you some general ways how people who lived during that time live by faith so that you can learn that um, there are ways to live by faith in, in your everyday life. And if you want to know, like I started reading commentaries about all of these, and, and for every one of these, when it said, but through faith they subdued kingdoms, they would give you a list of people who did that. It, um, when they stopped the mouths of lions, you think about the people who did that. Number one would have been Daniel, right? Uh, quench the violence of fire and escape the edge of the sword. If you want to dig into those and to see which Bible characters would uh, have been involved in each one of those, you're more than willing to go do that and you can find that information. But I decided that I wouldn't try to do that tonight because we would, you know, I just wouldn't be able to cover it all tonight. So anyway, that information is out there. But you go on and you read and you go on down through verse 34 um, through verse 37 and you see all of these various ways that the just walk by faith. So, however, in each of these things, there is, there is one prominent point that sticks out. The prominent point is that they were faithful to follow the Lord even though they had to face death. They were faithful even though their faithfulness might cause them to lose their life. And you know, that's a word of caution for us. MacArthur says the point is that they all courageously and uncompromisingly followed God regardless of the earthly outcome. And if we want to be one who uh, obtains a good report, then we need to be willing to courageously and uncompromisingly follow God regardless of the earthly outcome, no matter the cost, even if it costs us our life. And we notice that the reason they did this is, notice at the end of verse 35, it says that they might obtain a better resurrection. So in, in, in this, it's saying, you know, women received their dead raised back to life and others were tormented, not accepting deliverance. And so they were doing it to obtain a better resurrection. And what's he talking about? The better resurrection is the eternal resurrection. I mean, they received their sons back to life, but, but their faith in God was not so that they could receive their son back to life. Their faith in God was because they knew they had a, an eternal reward waiting on them. They wouldn't accept deliverance whenever they were persecuted even unto death because they knew that in heaven they had a better resurrection. And so they were looking beyond this world and looking to their <clears throat> eternal resurrection. 
They live by faith by not by uh, not being afraid to die. In the book of Revelation, in chapter number 12 and verse 10, it says, And I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now has come salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ. For the accuser of the brethren is cast down, which accused them before our God day and night. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto death. That's a testimony of the faithful. They overcome by the blood of the lamb, the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives unto death. They weren't afraid to die. This life had little value for them. They understood the eternal reward that was waiting. They did not set their affections on things below, but they set their affections on things above. And when you read and study this, it makes you stop and consider, challenge yourself to think about how much we live for heaven. How much do we look to our eternal reward and recognize that whatever happens on this earth is, it falls in comparison to the eternal reward. It challenges, uh, challenges us to think, how much love do we have for this world? How much love do we have for this life? That we love this life too much to lay it down for Christ. It's a challenge to all of us. But these they didn't love their life. They loved not their life even unto death. Does that describe us today? One commentator mentioned how those who were mentioned in Revelation 12, 10 and 11 are the same ones that's mentioned earlier here in the book of Hebrews in chapter number 11 where it says that you are surrounded with so great a cloud of witnesses that great cloud of witnesses by which they were surrounded is those in Revelation 12. And here's the thing. We're still surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses. There are, there are those who have gone on before us and they are the great cloud of witnesses and they're really our pep section and they're cheering us on in life and, and they're like, we didn't love our lives unto the death and you don't love your life unto the death. You love Jesus and you love him foremost and you love God because he has redeemed you and so you have this great crowd around you encouraging you to go on and to walk by faith and to live by faith because of the eternal reward that you're going to have in Christ Jesus. So the better resurrection that they, that they desired to obtain was more than a recovery of life on this earth. They're looking to the heavenly resurrection. It is not they walk by faith so when they get to, to heaven, their resurrection would somehow be better. Uh, no, it's they know the resurrection is better than what this life has to offer. And this caused me to think as I was studying this message, and I think of this often. If we will trust Christ for eternity and what we can't see, like all of us here tonight, I think, believe that when we die, we're going to go to heaven and we're going to see Jesus. We're going to see him face to face. 
And if we will trust him for the unseen, for the eternal, why won't we trust him in what we can see? In that which is physical here, tangible on this earth. We have more faith, I think, in looking towards the unseen than we do in the seen. Maybe we think that, well, God's not going to work in this area of my life or whatever, but we should think about what God is going to do us before, because it's, we are his children and we should walk by faith. You'll notice also about these, and it goes on in verses 36 through uh, 37 and tells us about more things that they experienced. And again, this is talking about Old Testament saints. You know, at the beginning of verse 38, it says, of whom the world was not worthy. Now, it's interesting that that is put in parenthesis, and it's like the author of Hebrews, as he's going through this list, he's got this little side note, and he, and he wants to make this little note, and as he's thinking about these people, and maybe he even has some people in mind as he writes each one of those things, and, and as he remembers the faith of these people, he says, the world is not worthy of them. Gill says this about this verse. These words are inserted in parenthesis to remove or prevent such objections as these, that they were restless and unquiet persons that made disturbance in the world and so unfit to live in it. So maybe these Hebrews knew that other Jews were saying, yeah, but you're going to follow that person that, uh, you know, that, that was stoned and sawn asunder. They got what they had coming to them. They were just a problem child and they, you know, they deserve what they got. And so maybe the author of Hebrews is trying to help these Hebrew readers to see they weren't unfaithful. They were very faithful. Gil goes on to say, and that they were, uh, uh, and to show the great worth and inestimable value, inestimable value of the people of God, which exceeds that of the whole world. And so they were faithful and they have great value and the world is not worthy. And folks, you know that we as Christians, we are the, I'm trying to think of the right word, the buffer for this world against the wrath of God. God doesn't pour his wrath out on this earth because of his people. We restrain wickedness on this earth by us choosing to live righteous and moral lives and demand that laws are made according to scripture and, and expect people to live in accordance with their scripture you recognize that we are, we are the restrainers of sin. What would happen if all of the Christians who had, who had morals and demanded that you follow the scriptures, what would happen if all of them said, okay, just, just go ahead, have it the way you want it? How wicked would this world be? You see, we are the protectors of this world. And we're standing for righteousness and truth. And we are keeping the sinfulness of this world from running rampant. Every time you stand up for what is right, you're protecting the weak. 
You're protecting the weak from sinful people. Not directly, it's indirectly, but that's what you're doing. So I'm saying, listen, every time you live righteously, you're protecting this world. You're buffering this world from the wrath of God. The world's not worthy of you. Listen, they're going to call you wicked. They're going to call you a bigot. They're going to call you a stick in the mud. They're going to say you're old-fashioned or whatever they want to say, any kind of derogatory term they want to use. And they're going to speak negatively of you, but they're not worthy of you because of your righteousness, because of your holiness, because of your desire to do good. Just remember that God is going to honor that and God is going to reward you. Listen, the world is not deserving of those who walk by faith. The world with all of its hatred for God and the word of God does not deserve those who will speak, will live and speak in such a way as to warn them to flee from the wrath to come. We live in an age which is increasingly angry at the people of God. They, could, they will accuse us of all type, types of wrong. When we believe what the word says, they think we are evil. If we speak up for life um, to the world, that's evil. If we speak up for biblical ma- marriage, the, the world says that's evil, e- evil. If we speak up for God's design for gender, you know, male and female, we're evil. The world's not worthy. But that can't hinder us from following the word of God. The world is not worthy of those who will point them to the truth. Yet we love them in spite of their hatred for us. And we point them to the only hope that's in Christ Jesus. No matter what their response is, we still point them to Jesus. No matter how they might hate us or ridicule us or whatever, we still point them to Jesus. And the world's not worthy. Verse 39 says, And these all, having obtained a good report through faith, received not the promise. So they walked in faith, even though they walked only after a promise. Remember verse 13 says, These all died in faith, having not received the promises, but having seen them afar off and were persuaded of them. So, so they didn't know about Jesus. They didn't receive the messianic promises. They didn't live to see the messianic promises. But they obtained a good report. God spoke highly of them. And when compared to this world, they were shining forth as bright lights. Matthew 13, 43 says, Then shall the righteous shine forth as the sun in the kingdom of their father, who hath ears to hear, let him hear. You know, when I'm studying, I listen to a a playlist called Beats for Study. And it's all instrumental music, violins and cellos and that kind of thing, but they play some contemporary songs or some, some you know, anyway. And, and while I was typing that verse out, the song came on. You're a shining star, no matter who you are, shining bright to see what you can truly be, truly be, earth, wind, and fire. But anyway, it was there was no lyrics there, but as I was typing that, that song came on, and I thought, well, I, it has to be, you know, I mean, did that, It fits, right? Listen, you're a shining star. Understand that. You're living in a world of sin. Be that shining star for Christ. Shine forth as the light of the sun as you stand and walk in your righteousness so that you can obtain a good report. 
God having provided, verse 40 says, some better thing for us, that they without us should not be made perfect. A better covenant is sealed with the blood of Jesus. The Old Testament saints didn't grasp how God would provide eternal life, how righteousness would be gained for those who are sinners. But the cross points us to the way. By the cross, we recognize now how Jesus obtained eternal redemption for us. We recognize how it is that God can be just and the justifier of those who will believe in him. It is by fulfilling Jesus fulfilling the, the plans and the purposes of God. But it's because Jesus fulfilled the plans and the purposes of God, the Old Testament saints are made perfect. They weren't perfect then or complete because the blood of Christ hadn't been poured out yet. But now that the blood of Jesus Christ has been poured out, their salvation is complete. And here's what we understand. The plan of God is to keep building his kingdom little by little and and we build upon their faith and then the future generations are going to build upon our faith and then ultimately, eventually, um, God will usher in his plan. But none of that can happen until we build each generation upon the other. And so that's how we work. It's how God's plan works. And that's what we need to be dedicated to, that we're laying the foundation for future generations, but we're building upon the foundation that others have laid before us. And so let's make sure that we are building on the right foundation so the future generations will have a foundation to build upon. <clears throat> These all walk by faith. I want you to walk by faith also because you have been justified and because you possess the hope of the resurrection so the future generations can build upon what we have with what we are building. We should be thankful for those who have gone before us and been just and lived by faith. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the night we have to study your word. I pray that you'll bless your people with the preaching of your word. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.